0: This is a Saddleback Church Podcast. Today is such a great day to be here in church. We're gonna kick off a brand new message series called At the Movies. Now, you might be asking yourself, why do a message series on movies? That's a great question. Well, movies are the story of our day. You know, Jesus himself was a master storyteller, constantly telling stories. And he would integrate those stories into his teaching and then use them to point us back to God, back to God's unchanging character and his eternal word. And that's what we'll be doing with this series. So we'll explore four well-known movies, and we'll do it through the lens of the Bible. And then as we do that, we'll apply some of the movie's lessons to our own lives. Today, we'll start with the Top Gun movie, Maverick, which became famous for their actors doing real stunts and real fighter jets rather than relying on green screens or computer-generated images. Now, Maverick is a follow-up to the original 1986 Top Gun movie where we met 20-something-year-old Pete Maverick Mitchell, a Navy pilot who's now in his late 50s. As his name implies, Maverick loves to push the limits. He's an incredible pilot, but he's seen as a loose cannon and very unpredictable. So as the movie opens, we see him working with a team on a secret test flight with the goal of reaching Mach 10, which is 10 times the speed of sound. But when he learns that the Navy wants to shut down the program for another one, Maverick is determined to save what he thinks is the future of the Navy and also to prove that he still got it. Despite disobeying orders and failing his test flight, Maverick ends up getting called back to the Top Gun training program to teach younger pilots. But some things have changed since he was a pilot 30 years ago. The younger pilots see him as an old-fashioned pilot and out of touch. And it's going to take some work to be accepted. Just like Maverick, we all have to figure out how to live in a world that is constantly changing. At the same time, no matter how much the world may change, we know we have an unchanging God. Hebrews 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So if our world is changing, but God is not changing, what does that mean for us? Today from this movie, we'll look at three realities about change as well as how we can best respond to them. Now I'm gonna give you all the big ideas on the front end and then we'll walk through it. First of all, there are some things that will change whether I want them to or not. Secondly, there are some things that won't change even if I do want them to change. And finally, some things can change, but it's up to me to change them. Knowing that things have changed, Maverick is first faced with the question of how to use his experiences and his skills to help this new generation of pilots. And the question that faces us is very similar. How do we think about our role in a world that is continually changing? You know, a verse that Pastor Rick has referred to often, Acts 13, 36 is so appropriate here. It says, for David, after he served the purpose of God, In his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. Here we have our first truth. I can live for God's eternal purposes in my generation. Now, Even as the world is changing, I can still live for God's eternal purposes right now. I wonder if you believe that. Just because the world is different doesn't mean we can't live for God. In fact, it makes it even more crucial to understand God's eternal purposes for us found in the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and worship, which aren't limited to just one time period or one generation. They're meant to be lived out in every generation and every people group. That's God's plan, that's his purposes for us. Now, our approach can still be aligned with both God's grace and truth, which also acknowledges that the people we're called to love and serve are living in a changing world which is changing them too. So it's important for us as we understand that I still can live with God's eternal purposes as the focus of my life. I can adapt my approach without copying culture. This is very important. In Matthew 9, some religious leaders were upset with Jesus because he wasn't fasting like them. And in response, Jesus says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the old skins would burst with pressure spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. See, old wineskins have grown stiff and brittle and they can't expand to receive new wine. So new wineskins are still stretchy and can expand to receive it. Jesus is using this metaphor to call the religious leaders and the people of his day with their attention back to what's most important What's more important than religion? That's realizing that their long-awaited Savior and Messiah has come. He's here with them. And he's establishing a new covenant based on personal transformation through God's grace, not external performance through religious rules. Now, let me explain how I think about this on a personal level. Currently, many of you know I have two teenagers. Both will be in high school this fall. Almost everything that they do in their school now in this day is on a computer. And it kind of bothers me, some of you parents will relate to this, that we have so many devices at home. And if I'm honest, I can get super frustrated and have such a hard time knowing if my kids really need to do homework or they just wanna play on a laptop for another 30 minutes before going to bed. Any parents out there relate to that? Well, personally, I would love to go back to the good old days when we walked back and forth to school with you know, the snow uphill both ways before computers with flip phones without the distraction of devices. But guess what? It's not gonna happen. We're in a new reality, new world. And it's much better for me as a parent to focus on helping my kids learn how to function in a world with technology and how to think wisely and critically about being in control of their devices rather than the devices being in control of them. Now, this is a little bit painful because I have the same struggles. And I'm not really sure that we're winning this war at home, but I certainly know that we're working at it. Andy Crouch, one of my favorite authors who writes several great books about the subject, says in his book, Culture Making, that followers of Jesus tend to gravitate toward two extremes. One is to condemn culture on one hand, And the other is to copy or conform to culture, on the other hand. And in his book, he actually suggests a third alternative, which is to create or shape culture. Now, this requires an upstream way of thinking. So a good question then becomes less about, like, how do I not get swept into all the mess? But actually, how can I leverage the changes in our world to accomplish God's purposes? Like, how can I use the technology and the things that are around me to make a difference? In a changing world, we have to change too. But that doesn't mean we sacrifice God's principles or his purposes. On the contrary, it means we have to discover what it actually means to hold on to those no matter what and to see how to stretch and adapt in new ways to fulfill the purpose of God that we're called to, his five eternal purposes. And that's what Maverick has to figure out how to do this, how to reach a new generation, but stay true to what he knows to be true as he starts teaching young pilots. So now let's talk about the things that don't change over time. One thing is true about Maverick, his skill and precision are still intact, but there's another part of him that's burdening him, and that's his past. In the last movie, Maverick decided to engage in a dangerous maneuver that caused him to lose control of his plane, ultimately, leading to his wingman Goose's death. Ever since then, he's been haunted, questioning his abilities and living with shame and regret. For us, it's easy to get stuck dwelling on things we could have done differently. I wonder what is the thing from your past that still haunts you, that you're allowing to still limit you, define you, or even hold you back. How do we let go of the pain from the past? Well, Romans 8 tells us, it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, those who belong to him, because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. such a beautiful verse that speaks of what happens when you transfer into relationship with God. Sin, shame, your regret from the past, it doesn't define you. Now, there's value in learning from our past. Our our past doesn't have to define our future. We can get lessons from it. But it's so important to recognize because of Jesus, you can move beyond regret, self-condemnation. And instead, you can live with freedom today. This is very important for all of us. And I want you to write this down. I can learn from my past without letting it define me. Can learn from my past without letting it define me. If you put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you don't need to hide certain parts of your life out of fear and condemnation. Instead, you can come to Him with all of you because you are completely freed from the power of sin and shame over your life. You can embrace the compassion and grace He has for you and rest knowing He redeems everything for good. I want to invite you today to define your life, not by shame, but by God's grace. Here at Saddleback, we've seen so many people discover freedom through our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Healing is a process, and we all have habits, hurts, and hangups that we carry with us. I wanna encourage you to take the step and check out Celebrate Recovery at your local campus. This will help you get deeper, long-lasting healing beyond what just a weekend message can offer. Now, in addition to the reality of our past not changing, there's another reality. It's a greater reality, and it's that God does not change. So He has a firm foundation that we can build our lives upon. Here's an important point. I can anchor myself in the truth of God's Word and His character. I want you to hear this again. I can anchor myself in the truth of God's Word and in His character. I love these words from Psalm 119.89 that says, "'Your eternal word, O Lord, stands in heaven. "'Your faithfulness extends to every generation, "'as enduring as the earth you created. "'Your regulations remain true to this day, "'for everything serves your plans.'" He's the same God. And Jesus reinforced this truth in Matthew 24, saying, "'Heaven and earth will disappear, "'but my words will never disappear.'" Sometimes we get so hung up on what we wish we could or should change that we forget to be thankful for some good unchangeable things too. It gives me personally so much hope to know that God's character will never change. He will always be faithful. His word will always be dependable. And His grace is always enough. His word holds up as true. When we live in alignment with God's word, we experience joy, and then when we run against his word and against his design, we experience all kinds of problems in our lives. So then our question becomes, how can I follow the principles and practices of God instead of copying the principles and practices of this world? Romans 12:2 tells us, don't copy the behavior of cu- and the customs of this world. Some of you who are younger, may not have ever seen this before, we used to have these things called copy machines. Like you place a piece of paper, you press, press copy, kind of like we do now printing from our phone. But what the Romans is telling us is like some of us are like a copy machine for the world. We're just constantly copying the customs of the world. But there's a different way to live, as Romans says, and it's to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think and then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Our lives transform as we keep coming back to the Word of God, His design for life, His design for marriage, identity, sexuality, how we treat with one, one another. All of this is, is in His Word. And all these truths, which are boundaries, all of God's boundaries come from God's good character, His blessing, wanting to benefit our lives. One time this truth struck me and it's just been in my mind for so long that all of God's boundaries are for my blessing. And that's because he loves me. God's goal for me is to use his word as a lens through which I see myself in the world, not for me to use the world to see God's word. Now this is important because some of us flip this. We see the word through the world rather than seeing the world through the word. This can feel hard and you might even feel judged or criticized, but it's so essential to how God created us to live, as well as to grow in love and intimacy with God. First John says, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. There's a freedom and a joy in this. So on a personal level, a daily habit of reading the Bible and applying it to my life has helped me so much in my own walk with God. This morning, just God gave me just a few verses to shape my thinking and bring me back to truth. And that constant habit has changed me. Even as the world's changed and there are some things that my past I can't change, this constant habit has anchored my life. No other book on the planet transforms our lives like the Bible. It's living and active. It's the Word of God. It's inspired and written by the Spirit of God Himself. So if you don't have this habit already, Can I encourage you to make a commitment to strengthen your habit of reading God's word, the Bible daily, and to anchor yourself in God's eternal word. As we make space for him to speak to us, he shifts our thinking, he he refreshes our values to be around his values and transforms the rest of our lives according to what he knows is best. Now there's one final reality I wanna focus on and it's the reality that some things can change, but those things that can change are up to us. Maverick eventually realizes that his life can't just be about him anymore. The pilots need him. In fact, it's likely that without his help, they will fail the mission and die. When we think about this movie and the idea that some things can change, there's an important lesson for us, and I want you to write this down. I can accept responsibility for my life. I can do this in two ways which are tied together. Number one, by changing how I see myself and number two, by changing how I see my circumstances. Maverick originally saw himself purely as a pilot, not as a teacher or mentor, and he was held back by his guilt and shame. So how he viewed himself also clouded how he saw his circumstances. But once he changed how he saw himself not defined by his past anymore, and how he saw his circumstances as being needed by this team of pilots, it allowed him to shift his perspective, his responses, his behaviors, all of it as a result, and it changed everything. Maverick eventually realizes where he can make a difference and it starts by choosing to enter into the mission himself. Now, this is where I go from seeing myself through Maverick's eyes and seeing it through the eyes of those young pilots. See, the pilots have taken responsibility, but they cannot do the mission alone. Like us, they realize they need help to get through what's in front of them from someone who actually knows how to do it. The pilots realize they need more than a teacher. They need an expert pilot to fly the mission with them. They can't succeed without Maverick coming among them, flying with them, guiding and directing them. Maverick realizes the same thing too, so he enters into the mission with them, which leads to their collective success. For us, this is why it's vital to remember I can only fulfill God's mission with God's help. Again, let me say it. I can only fulfill God's mission with God's help. We have a mission in front of us. We're called to change the world. Not all at once and not the entire thing, but little by little, we are called to bring the kingdom of God into our corner of creation where God has placed and positioned us. But we were never meant to do it on our own. Over and over in the Bible, God's people try and fail as they try to live the way they're supposed to on their own power. No matter how much they tried to change, when they tried to do it on their own strength, it never lasted for long. They couldn't do it. They needed help. But everything changes with God. In fact, in John 1.14, the whole narrative of the Bible is pointing towards how God's going to change the story. John 1.14 says, "'The Word became flesh and dwelt among us.'" That word dwelt is related to the word tabernacle. God came and tabernacled among us. Just as God entered into a tent in the midst of the Israelite camp, God pitched his tent among his people by coming to dwell among us in the form of Jesus. God knew from the very beginning that we would need his help, so he decided that he himself would come among us and live on mission. Now, Jesus was more than a teacher or an example for us, he was the only one who could succeed at the mission we have been called to, to be reconciled back to God, to have eternal life, to live in freedom and help free others with God's love and truth. The sin of humanity made that impossible, but through Jesus' sacrifice on a cross, his resurrection, we are now able to have direct, personal, intimate friendship with God, an eternal life beyond this world on earth when we choose to put our faith in Jesus. So God is not some distant, far off being, far away, expecting us to accomplish his calling for us on our own. He's near. He's near to us and he's with us and he's for us. He wants us to place our faith in him. And as we trust in him for salvation, as we come to him for relationship, the scripture says that his spirit comes and dwells within us. John also says this and, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it's not looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. Today you might be flying solo without help or direction. Jesus came to model the way for us. And more than that, he made a way for us to have direct relationship with God. God wants to show you how the mission is meant to be flown and to fly it with you. He wants to free you from shame, to comfort you with your fear, to guide you with your doubts and uncertainty, to empower you to grow into the person he's made you to become. He wants to show you how to live out the unchanging purposes he's given to you, even in a changing world. I pray today that you will be reminded that although the world will change, God will never change. And because of his redemption and grace, your life can transform when you choose to trust him and invite him to guide, help, and transform you from the inside out. Now, as we conclude in prayer, there are two invitations I wanna invite you to receive. The first one is to open your heart to Jesus, to let him be in charge of your life. If we were using an airplane analogy, we would say to let him be the pilot of your life by opening your heart to him for the very first time. And the second invitation is for those of you, perhaps you've already invited him to be the pilot, but you're powering it. You're powering the plane with your own engines. And there's a power from the Holy Spirit that can come, that can propel your life, give you strength, And as we pray right now, I wanna invite you to receive. Which of these invitations is true for you? Some of you, both of these invitations may be the invitation to receive, but for some of you, it's just one or the other. Let's pray together. Today, if you have never made that decision to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, I wanna invite you right now just to say, Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I surrender my life to you. I wanna give you first place and let you be in charge. I wanna let you be the pilot that takes this plane and drives it forward. Just tell him right now, in this moment, I give you control. Others of you, perhaps you are doing it in your own power and you need to say right now, God, I need your help. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me. Just pray that prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you hear our cries, that you never change, that you're faithful, that you can be relied upon. Help us as we respond to let you be in charge of our life and then also to do life with your power. God, we're so grateful today for your love and your kindness towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed the prayer to receive Jesus as your savior, we would love to know today when you take your next steps on our digital program, just let me know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. If you prayed to receive God's power and live life with the Holy Spirit guiding you, I'd love to know that as well. But I want to say congratulations on taking these steps to trust an unchanging God in a changing world. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more weekend message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.